for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. See, it's good to see you all. Um, I can't remember whether Matt mentioned Jack and Sue are away. Did you mention that this morning? They're off there at their family wedding this weekend. So they'll be here next weekend uh, up in, I think it's Scotland. I'm sure I saw a photo with a... Windermere? I thought I saw a Scottish flag in the background, but hey-ho. Maybe yeah, Jack just walks around with a, like this wherever he goes. <laughs> Maybe that's what's going on. Yeah, but they'll be with us next week. But we're um, in the last Sunday of looking at the uh, subject of the topic of growth. So, um, yeah, it's been really good. I for those of you that heard Jack last week, it's fantastic. It was so really, really good stuff. It's like talks like last week, talks even this morning, in many ways... What I'm going to talk about this morning, it's not, it's not massively complicated, but neither do I think that it is it shallow. Like it's deep stuff, but it's simple. And it's stuff we can bypass, but it's like really important, important stuff for us if we want to um, grow in Jesus and become anything um, like what he wants for our life. So, first of all, before I get into the scripture for this morning, um, I just want to be honest for just a minute. Um, and that's just in saying, just whilst I get myself sorted here, I've been um, at the Freedom Centre now for just over 11 years, which is crazy that 11 years flies by so quickly. Um, but 11 years, and I remember starting um, when I first came to the church and um, just, yeah, just felt like a place that I wanted to be, a place where I wanted to stick around and I knew it was a place where I would be able to grow. Um, and I was excited for the future and all that God was going to do over the next 11 years. And just really honestly this morning, I just want to say, I don't know whether it's the same with different people in the room. There have been times over the 11 years where I felt disappointed. We talked about disappointment a few months ago, didn't we? You can go back and read those podcasts if you're feeling disappointed in things this morning. But there's there times where I felt disappointed or frustrated that there's not been more growth in the church. And by that I've meant numbers, just wanting more people to come because I think sometimes more people come, it makes you, it's a bit of a pat on the back, it makes you feel like you're all doing something well and right. And and numbers is important because in one sense God cares about people and about souls and he wants everyone to hear um, his news, his good news. So I mean in one sense that's very important, but in another sense what I have... um, learn time and time again and feel like I forget time and time again as well but need to keep relearning re-remembering is that God is not too interested in numbers he's more interested in growth he's more interested in growth than he is in numbers we could spend all morning looking at different stories in the bible where you can see that in the gospels of how Jesus related to people there's times where he tried to get away from numbers in fact from people he didn't want all that noise all that stuff but he's interested in growth, and I have been honoured in this church when I have this better mindset on of the amount of growth that we've seen in our church in different people, different things that we've done. There has been such wonderful growth, and again, we've not got time to talk about all of that this morning. But one of the things, questions that I know we get asked, I know Jack and Sue regularly get asked it. If ever they go to a conference or anything, you might get asked it as well. Is how big's your church? You know, you might say, oh, my name's Tom, and I go to a church in prayer. All right, how big's your church? And obviously, they all always want to know numbers, and understandably, they just probably want to get a picture of, you know, what sort of church you're going to. There's probably nothing sinister about it most of the time. But, like, sometimes I'm, I'm like, more thinking, 
when I answer that question, really, it's not a number question. It's about a growth question. So now I'm starting to have like a mindset. When, whenever I think of the question like how many people are in our church or if someone asks me how many people in your church, how big is your church, I'm starting to think it's really big, you know. It's really big because there's this one guy. There's this one guy in our church. I'm just, these are kind of like made-up stories because I don't embarrass anyone. But there's this one guy who like used to be like riddled with self-doubt. And he walked in the room and he was anxious and he couldn't talk to anyone. But now because he's got to know Jesus, he has grown, he's confident, he shares Jesus with his friends and his workplace people. Man, there's some big stuff going at our church. You know, how big is your church? It might be, oh, it's big. You know, there's this one person, they were, they were alcoholic and they had all these sorts of issues. But they've been coming to church, they've been reading their Bible, God's been doing wonderful things in their life. And they have grown when no longer are they on the alcohol all the time, but they are living a life of freedom in Jesus. How big is your church? Oh, there's this one person. Let me tell you a story. There's this person. They, were, they, had, they had terrible um, issues with their money. They were broke all the time. They spent it. They wasted it. But because they've been rooted in a place at the church and spending time with Jesus and community, They've just become, they're much more stable and they've become giving and they've become, their life has been turned around. These are stories that we see in this, not these specific stories, but stories like this. There are people in our church where there has been a lot of growth. And the truth is about church is that church grows not when, not when we get a new building. We could get a new building. It does not mean our church has grown. We can get new sound gear. We could get new you know, coffee and cakes, we could get new preachers, new worship bands, all this sort of thing. None of that means that our church has grown one little bit. The church grows when you grow. This church grows when you grow. You yourself, that is when this church grows. And we're going to look a little bit this morning um, at a passage of scripture found in 1 Corinthians Chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, turn to it. Uh, Verses 1 through 9 we're going to read this morning. And this um, is, so this is the book of Corinthians. So um, this is a a letter that Paul's writing to the people of Corinth. So this is a place, it's a big, busy, bustling city where there's all kinds of stuff going on in Corinth. And some really not very nice stuff like people, the way people worship, all different types of funny, different worship has got mixed up and muddled. All kinds of horrible things are going on. And a lot of this stuff has kind of crept into the church. And um, Paul hears back about um, just some worrying things about the church and how people are not, um, they've not, well, they've not grown as he hoped, as he thought, as he believed that they might and which they should. So this is Paul's letter writing to this church. And it's going to go from verse 1. And now these, I'm just going to, pretty harsh words here from Paul, all right? Pretty harsh, but we'll be all right. We'll make it through. Don't worry. Verse 1. Paul writes, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and I follow another, Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. 
I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. So, this is Paul here, and he's talking to the church, this church where um, he's not seeing growth that he thought that might have happened or should have happened. So he talks about growth. Another word that we might use or use in church is about maturing maturing as Christians, that's the kind of phrase, that's church, kind of lingo, church speak for this. But it, it's really, I mean, really, it's really like sad what he's saying here. He says, he says, I had to address them, not, not as spiritual people, but as worldly people. I mean, he's talking to the church here, but he's got to talk to them, not as spiritual people, he's got to talk to them as worldly people, because they've not grown as he thought that they should. Mere infants is what he calls it. Mere infants. He says that they've just been messing around, having arguments all the time about Paul's teaching or Apollos' teaching. And I mean, we see that in the church today. I like this speaker. I don't like that guy. I disagree with him. I like this guy. I don't like him. I think he's right. I think he's wrong. Christians just messing around, just kind of like, just, just being childish, childish in faith. But Paul says that it is God who makes things grow. And he says that you are God's building. Now, I've got a, a three-year-old boy, and at the moment, so he's, so he's had, we've gone through the bit where he was on milk all the time. So you start off, don't you, when you're a baby, it's milk, just milk all the time, milk, 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 milk. And then you get to that bit where they're just on those little pots of like little pureed, soft, kind of sloppy food, which they're t- dribbling down themselves. And then kind of with every little stage of the development, it kind of builds up, doesn't it? So they go from milk to those little pots of sloppy food, then some like solid, just some basic kind of simple solid foods that they might just kind of put in their mouth and munch on a little bit until their teeth are there, until they're able to actually digest it in themselves. And it keeps progressing all the time where then they're moving on to some, maybe some meats and some um, heavier foods. And then as we grow up, like there was a time as a child, I didn't like steak. I didn't like it. I don't understand what was wrong with me, but I didn't like steak. I think it was just too much hard work. I couldn't be bothered chewing it all the time, all this kind of thing. But then you get to a point where suddenly you want like steak and you want food. Like I can see some gents, yeah, yeah, steak, yeah, (laughs) burgers, you know, you want to put your teeth into something, you want these kind of more heavy, complex foods. You might even progress a little bit further where you like your fine dining, you know, these rich tastes, all the kind of fancy things, locally produced foods, sir, which you can take, and you get those little plates with a few little bits of food on them, and it's not very hearty, but it might be really tasty, and you kind of progress, don't you, throughout life with the type of food that you eat. And that's one step of growing, isn't it? Being able to go from milk all the way through the different food groups until you can eat like a steak or a heavy meal or something like that. But then there's another step of maturing with your food, which is when you begin to need to cook for yourself a little bit. No longer can you just be like given food all the time. Sometimes it's like, well, I'm hungry now. There's no one else around. I need to cook something. So it starts off where you like put some toast in and you put some beans on it. And then the next time you put toast in and you put some cheese on it. And the next time you put toast in and you put butter on it. And like it's really basic things. You might have a pot noodle. This might be the beginnings of someone being able to cook 
for themselves. And in the same way that it happens with the food that you eat, it can happen with the food that you make. You start off with your beans on toast, then you think, do you know what, I fancy myself a bit of potato today. And you put it, and suddenly you've cooked a potato. And then it progresses where you have one of those one-pot meals where you put the chopped tomatoes in and you mix it all up and kind of taste it. And you think, I don't think I'm going to die, but I'm just going to eat it, and we'll see what happens. And you don't die. So then the next day, you might try something a bit more. And you develop, and then one day you might make a steak, and you might one day you might get really confident, get a cookbook for Christmas. Oh, let's try this little fancy things, all these long-winded processes of cooking food. It's fantastic. You progress, don't you? And then the next step after that, or at some point in that process, is not just being able to make the food, but the even more terrifying prospect sometimes is cooking food for somebody else. And this is like the progression, maturing in the way that you eat food. And in this passage that we just read, this is the kind of thing that Paul is talking about, but he's not talking about food. He's talking about us growing in Jesus. So he talks about how they were fed milk when he was there before, and they should have developed by that point. They've grown up. They've got teeth now. They've got their you know, their system has developed. They should be able to be eating more heavier foods. They should be moving on to things like meat, but they're not. They've not moved on. They've not progressed as they should have done. And what Paul wanted to see was that them fed milk, then fed meat, then cooking for themselves, and then cooking for others. And this parallels with us as Christians. When we know Jesus, when we give our life to Jesus, it doesn't just stop there when we say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. It doesn't just stop there. The idea is that we're fed the milk, then we're fed the meat, then we can feed ourselves. We don't always just have other people spoon feed us. We begin to uh, develop the, um, the, the stuff in our life where we can read the Bible for ourselves and learn and grow. And then where we can feed others, not necessarily in the capacity that I'm doing. It could just be people that you spend your life with, people in your home, people in your small group, people that you work with, your family, different things like this. Just naturally where you feed other people as well. So my question, after that long bit, I'm going to have a drink of water. Then we can carry on. There we go. So, my question, first of all, quite simple, but quite deep, quite big, is are you growing? Are you growing? Can you see growth in your life? Like in one sense, we're, all, we're, kind of, we're always growing. We naturally grow, don't we? Like, um, we grow physically, we grow. Um, as you grow up, you have different life experiences that they make you grow. You know, when you, you know, you might, if you start going out with someone, if you get married, if you get a new job, if you have kids, all these things give you life experiences where you, they, they, they make you grow. These things happen whether we want them to happen or not naturally in life. Like you have things that happen that make you get a little bit of insight, a bit of wisdom maybe. But what I'm talking about this morning is not that stuff which kind of happens anyway, and which is great part of life, that's fantastic. But this morning, I'm talking about the stuff that Paul's talking about here in Ephesians 4.13, the way Paul writes it. And this is what I'm talking about this morning. He says, becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's Ephesians 4.13. 4.13, where Paul writes about becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's a pretty big thing, isn't it? <laughs> the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, a sentence like that, a scripture like that, that just sounds impossible. 
the whole measure of the fullness of Christ's time. Like, that's never going to happen. That can't happen. Well, maybe that will never happen. But we can spend our life going in that direction. And that's what Jesus calls us to. But Jack spoke a few weeks ago, two weeks ago it was, I think now. He spoke um, as part of this series, but he was speaking um, from Matthew 6, 7, 5, 6 or 7, I think it is, where, about what Jesus says, do not worry. Do not worry. And he spent the morning tying this scripture in with growth. Now, this is one of those scriptures where it just seems impossible. <laughs> that's impossible. Like, that's such a hard thing. Just do not worry. It's not like, well, do not, all right, then I won't worry. That's it. Finished. And like, it's not that simple all the time, is it? It's not just like, like, it's hard. Stuff happens in life. You wake up in the middle of the night and something feels weighty on your mind. And, and it's really difficult sometimes to not worry. But there's so many things that Jesus says. <laughs> that he calls us to, that seems, that feel just impossible. Just in those um, three uh, chapters of Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7, just a list of a few things that, that Jesus says that we should look like if we're following him. He says, anyone, he says that we should live as salt and light. That's the first thing. It's, just, it's, it's hard to do. He also says, anyone who even looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery. He says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. He says to love your enemies. He says that you cannot serve both God and money. He says, as we said, do not worry. He says, do not judge. These are things that are counter-cultural, that are difficult Almost impossible, it feels like, to do. So, I think a lot of the time, one of the stumbling blocks to growth is we read these things that Jesus says, and it's like, but I, how? Like, I, my life is so far away from being able to do something like that at the moment. I do those things without even thinking about it. I mean, there's times where I do wrong, and I hold my hands up, and I'm like, I'm purposefully doing it. There's times where I just do it without even realizing I'm doing it. Like, it's so ingrained in us, some of these things. How do we grow from it? The way that we can grow from it, I think and we know this, just really simply, is of course by following Jesus. And this is what we're going to look at now, by following Jesus. Now, before I carry on, first of all, before I say what I'm going to say next, I want to just um, say, (laughs) before there's any doubt, church like this this morning is beautiful. Like when we gather together, we're called to gather together. The church is meant to meet together. There is power when we meet together in this room. Like we quote the scripture regularly, don't we? Where two or three are gathered, then, then he's here with us. I'm a, like I believe passionately in church, in Sunday morning or whenever the church meets, that we meet together, connect groups, whatever it might be. When you meet together, God comes and does something amongst us when like we need to have the expectation that when we come to church on a Sunday morning that anything can happen like when God comes when the Holy Spirit comes like God can do things in our life like that he can bring change he can bring healing he can bring restoration like like that it can be so quick it can be beautiful however (laughs) however When we try to live life from just one Sunday to the next, this following Jesus business can get really difficult. 
If we live our Christian life with the mentality of being, right, I'm going to church, and when I go to church, that's where I'm going to pray to Jesus. Because you know what? I've been struggling with stuff this week. I'm full of um, whatever issue it might be. Let's just say, like, I'm anxiety. I'm full of anxiety at the moment. So when I go to church, I'm going to pray that Jesus heals me of my anxiety. Now, that's a great prayer to pray. Keep praying that prayer, because God might just do it in this sort of context on a Sunday morning. Those things can happen. But we can come to church. Please, God, heal me. Change it. Let it happen this morning. Now, please let it happen now. But then if you go away after church, by one o'clock you're feeling anxious again and you're thinking, oh no, I've got a whole week before I go to church again. So this living from one Sunday to the next, just thinking it all happens on a Sunday morning, is not the way that you're going to successfully be a follower of Jesus, especially in 2018. In the Gospels, there's loads of stories that we could read this morning, but the thing that Jesus says to people when he meets them, he said this to the the, the 12 disciples that we read about, what he says when he meets them often, he says, come and follow me. Come and follow me. Now the word follow, according to people that I've read that are much cleverer than I am, the word follow, which is often, we often use the word disciple, don't we? The word this would be a disciple of Jesus. But the, the, the better translation from what I read is that it's more like an apprentice. Come and be an apprentice of Jesus. Now, I was, just, uh, I was just reading around this thing, apprentice. So I, I dug out um, a, a current, this is a current job that's available. If anyone wants to be a uh, window and conservatory installer, there is currently an apprentice opening somewhere. I don't know where it is. I didn't write that bit down. But um, this is a job description for an apprentice, trainee, window, and conservatory installer. And it says, um, it says you'll be working with a mentor in a team of two, learning all aspects, all aspects of window installations. You'll be traveling out onto the site, working on remedial work, working on stock taking as required, and learning health and safety on site. And there's a list of all the different things that you're going to be doing as part of this job. You'll be working with the installation team, working on site. You'll be using tools and equipment. You'll be training to install windows, doors, conservatories, preparing the site and customers' property. You'll be keeping the site clean and tidy, uh, working with surveyors' reports, removing old doors, sealing and cleaning, and heavy lifting may be involved. That is one of the job descriptions of being a Christian that I have found. Heavy lifting may be involved. But that's, that, that is a job description for an apprentice, trainee, window and conservatory installer. Now the first thing that I noticed from that job description is that most of those things that it says that as part of the job is things that you will be doing. Things that you will be doing. They're not, they're not the job description is not after someone who really likes and has a passion for looking at windows. The job description is not for someone that has an interest and regularly reads about the best installation methods with windows. That's not what they're after. They're not after for someone who likes to go to the annual windows and conservatory installation conference. You're not after someone that is part of a window installation Facebook group. Nothing like that. They're not after someone that is all interested, that is intrigued by it all. They're after someone who actually wants to install windows, doors, and conservatories. They're after someone who wants to train. There's going to be someone whose job that is already, and they're already good at what they do, and they want to teach everything that they know to the person who wants to be the apprentice. 
And the way that that will happen in that job, I am sure, they will not just meet together for an hour every Sunday morning with him sat in a chair, with the apprentice sat in a chair, and with the experts sat telling him what you need to do this week in order to fit a window. That's not how it works, is it? What works is that he goes with him and he travels around every job that he goes on. He travels, he watches, he does. He travels with him, he watches what he does, and then he does it. He might make some mistakes a few times, but that's why the expert is there to say, maybe don't do that. Try it this way. Try it another way. That is the difference between an apprentice and just someone who is observing, someone who is watching, someone who wears a I love Windows t-shirt. Like that's not, that, that doesn't make you a successful window installer, does it? There are loads of people, aren't there? Every, I don't know how, every, how every often they do it. You know, you get the census that comes through the door and you've got to fill out how many people live in the house and where you work and all this kind of thing. And there's that box, isn't there, about the, your, your faith. And there are loads. There's, I don't know, I don't know the, the stat. There's probably a massive percentage of people in our country that tick that box, Christian. You know, that's whenever that census comes around. But this thing that Paul talks about going from milk to meat is moving from just being that box ticker, yep, I'm a Christian, whoop, tick. It's moving from just being that Sunday to Sunday Christian where everything is about Sunday morning and for the rest of the week you're all at sea. It's about moving from those things to becoming an apprentice. An apprentice of Jesus. Someone who is so captivated by what Jesus says that they want to follow and do as he says. They want to be his apprentice. They want to learn from him. Just a quote that I'm going to read by a guy called Dallas Willard, and he says that the greatest issue facing the world today, with all its heartbreaking needs, is whether those who by profession or culture are identified as Christians will become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from him how to live of how to live the life of the kingdom of the heavens in every corner of human existence. I'm going to read that one more time. The greatest issue facing the world today, with all its heartbreaking needs, is whether those who by profession or culture identified as Christians will become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from him how to live the life of the kingdom of the heavens in every corner of human existence. See, not just on Sunday mornings, but in every corner of human existence. This morning earlier, we sung, um, and it's a great song, you know, there's such truth and such great things to speak out. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. And as I said, God can break a chain like that. As we're singing a song, and I've seen it happen in people, I've, seen, I've known it in me where just something changes as I'm worshipping. There's power when we worship. Power to break every chain. Boomf. But maybe sometimes that doesn't happen on a Sunday morning. That happens in what Willard would say, in every corner of human existence. Maybe it will happen because of a re- repetition of things that you do every Tuesday morning for Jesus. 
See what I mean? Maybe, maybe it won't happen on a Sunday morning when we're praying, Jesus, please break the chain, please break the chain. Maybe, yeah, Jesus will break every chain, but maybe it's after, after, after time of cultivating different things in our life that we put in place of, you know, we talk about prayer all the time, don't we? We talk about reading the Bible all the time. We talk about community, you know, things like um, connect groups that we're doing. There's all kinds of different things. We'll get to a little bit about that before we finish. But maybe it's not just from that Sunday morning, but maybe God will break some of the chains in your life because you become an apprentice of Jesus each and every day of your life. So what does this look like? Um, We talked about anxiety earlier. Maybe you suffer with anxiety in here this morning. Maybe you have anxiety attacks or you're just constantly just feeling anxious about things in life. Now, Now again, I repeat again, keep praying, keep coming to church and believing that God can meet with you in the most powerful way when we worship together. But part of the, the thing of being an apprentice of Jesus is doing the things that Jesus did and doing the things that Jesus said. So let's just take something like um, Jesus talked about having Sabbath rest. Now, we don't do Sabbath like they did in the Bible times where it had to be a specific day and the, the kind of the, the, the religiousness of that. But there's principles in what Jesus talked about Sabbath rest. Is there a time in your week, if you're feeling anxious, where you just try to switch off for a bit? Maybe it's a day, a half a day, even like an hour. Do you ever turn your phone off? Do you ever change the settings on your phone so it's not bleeping and notifying you of every little thing that happens on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or on email? Bleep, bleep, bleep all the time. I've made my phone a while ago. They call these smartphones, but they, they call it making it a dumb phone when you take all these notifications off and you take away a lot of the capabilities of this thing because it's constantly bleeping, bleeping, bleeping in your head, demanding, which can raise our anxiety levels. Maybe actually listening to what Jesus says about Sabbath rest. It might not be an instant fix, but following that practice that Jesus taught could be the thing that leads to that chain being broken in our life. Maybe you, you feel just, you're very aware of the greed in your life. Well, Jesus talks a lot about giving. We could just go to church and do that, pray, God, to fix this problem. I'm, I'm so greedy, just fix it as if we just want God just to go, there you go, problem solved. But the way that we mature and grow as a Christian is to be an apprentice of Jesus and do the things that he said to do. Be a giving person. Again, it's not just a fixed, the chain will get broken, but maybe it's by making these patterns in your life where you become a giver. Like maybe it's regularly giving, maybe it's in all different kinds of giving. These practices, these things that we put in life, in place in our life, are the things that lead to chains being broken. Maybe you're feeling lonely. You're just so lonely, like, I've not really got anyone to hang out with, I don't know what's going on. Maybe you need to practice better that Jesus, what Jesus taught about living in community. You know, we have things like connect groups. This, as Matt said, this is the, the last connect group where we're going to be meeting here together. And then we're going to be having um, like groups located around the city again. Like, get into a connect group. Right, connect groups are not just like, well, you know, we've got to have something on in the week. It's just nice to hang out. Like it, no, no, it's a practice of being a follower of Jesus, an apprentice of Jesus. Jesus lived amongst other people who he was discipling, who he was eating with, who he was sharing with. 
We've got it this Thursday, half past seven. This is how we, like, we practice these rhythms that Jesus gave to us. How we follow him, how we be an apprentice by getting together with other followers of him. We re- in one night, in a space of an hour and a half on a Thursday night, the, things that, the ways that we'll be an apprentice of Jesus is we will pray together, we'll probably worship together, we will gather together, we might even eat some little bits of food together, um, we'll pray for one another. Uh, there's a community, I'm sure that there's probably other things that are all happening in that space. And these are what these these things. When we do add these things into, do you see what I'm saying? It's moving away from just Sunday morning, like it's all going to happen now, to like it's a lifestyle where we're we're following the 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 rhythms and the patterns that Jesus taught and which with Jesus lived. And as I said, Jesus is cared less cares less about that box ticking on the census than he does about having people that are following him, more than that perhaps being disciples of him, more than that perhaps being apprentices of him. Just to close, um, as I said a few minutes ago, um, I, re- I read that list and I have all those different things that Jesus speaks of in the Sermon on the Mount, those three chapters, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7, I talk about those three chapters regularly because they're like massive <laughs> Um, the things in there that Jesus said that can seem really impossible, like in, just impossible things that can seem, you know, I'll just quickly the list again, living as salt and light. Anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turns them the other cheek also. Love your enemies. You cannot serve both God and money. Do not worry. Do not judge. There's the list goes on in those chapters. Big, 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 big stuff. But those three chapters, the Sermon on the Mount, it ends, the way Jesus ends, ends these three chapters is with a passage of scripture which we're pretty familiar with again. In Matthew chapter 7, where he says, this is Jesus, therefore, so this is at the end, he's gone through all that stuff, all this stuff that life should look like, the stuff that you should do or shouldn't do. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. And did you see that? Did you catch that little bit right at the start? He said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So yes, these things can seem impossible. But when we follow these rhythms of Jesus, these practices, these things, all these different things, um, uh, Sabbath rest, um, solitude, um, worship, prayer, reading the Bible, um, celebration, there's all these these, um, disciplines is the other phrase that we often use. There's a book, Celebration of Discipline, amazing book. If you've not read that book, 
That's one of the top, top, top books that I recommend you to get into. Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. These different things, which we ignore, we don't do half of them because it's not cool, it's not trendy, takes a bit of effort, takes a bit of time, means we've got to turn Netflix off for a bit. It means, you know, these inconveniences, but these are the practices, these are the things that Jesus wants us to do in order to see every chain broken in our life. It's not just the Sunday morning thing. And the Sunday morning thing is amazing again. I'm just going to keep saying that because I don't want anyone to leave here thinking, Tom doesn't think Sunday is worth it. We just need to... No, Sunday is amazing. It's brilliant. It's vital. But there is a whole lot of week in between Sundays. And Jesus wants to be involved in every single minute of our life, whether we're at work, whether we're at home, whether we are with family, whether we're friends, whether we're up at three o'clock in the morning feeding the baby, whatever we are doing, Jesus wants to be involved with you in every single place of your life because he loves you and he knows that when we follow him, when we become an apprentice of him, that is when we can change and begin to see these things take root and actually happen in our life. Just to close, we're going to listen to a song, a song that um, you probably, a lot of you will be familiar with. But I just want to encourage you, as we listen to this song, just try and be still for a minute. And just take a little bit of a, like a stock check of the things in your life. And just begin to think about what you can do or what you want to do, maybe even this week something that you want to do to try and be an apprentice of Jesus, to learn from him, to follow him so that you can become more like him. So we'll listen to this song and then at the end I'll pray.
stand just to pray as we finish. So God, um, we've come today because we want to know you. We've come to church today because we want to be like you, because we want to follow you, we want to be disciples of you, we want to be apprentices of Jesus. God, we've come today because we don't want to conform to the customs of this world. We don't want to conform to the, the ideas of this world because they change, they just change year in, year out. There's a different common sort of um, group thing that everyone needs to attain or make their life look like. God, we want our lives to follow in the way of Jesus Christ, time-tested truths of Jesus. So Lord, I just pray that as we go into this new week, we just want to go in it saying we want to follow you. Show us what that looks like. Teach us, Lord Jesus, what it looks like to follow you, King Jesus, to be apprentices of the King of Kings, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.